0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allantempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read earlier came from the gospel according to Mark. It was the ninth chapter in the 38th through the 41st verses that were read, but I'll read it again. Beginning at verse 38, it reads as thus. John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Our Christian faith is divided along very many lines. And as a result, it can sometimes be difficult to know who is with us and who is not. Well, One way that has been established for us to differentiate between us and others is of course through the ordinance of baptism as well as through the Lord's Supper. That is one way to identify who is with us and who is not. But despite our uncertainty between the genuine and the fake, the real and the counterfeit, the truth and the lie, it is extremely important especially in our criticism of others that in doing so we do not give strength to the opposition. Well, well. Think of it this way. If you are a Democrat, by disparaging another Democrat, you are by default strengthening the Republicans. Likewise, if you are a Republican and you're tearing down another Republican, then you're giving strength to the Democrats. Well. This was clearly seen this past week when eight Republicans orchestrated their own internal coup and ousted their majority speaker, Mr. Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanna be clear, this is not a political message. Not a political message. I'm just using this as a recent example of how a small group, which on the surface may look like they are with you because they bear your name, Come on, could easily turn around and orchestrate your own downfall. Well, well. In other words, those by those eight Republicans tearing down their majority leader, they in turn ended up strengthening the minority party, again making the point, and again, I don't care which political party you support, that is extremely important that in your criticism of others, that you do not give strength to the opposition. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Be careful when you're tearing down your own family. Well, talking about your own people preacher. and making others believe that they are nothing because they're hearing it from you. Mm. It must be said that when we are criticizing others. Be careful that we're not giving strength to the opposition. The same holds true for those of us who call ourselves Christian and who claim a Judeo-Christian identity. Sometimes we can speak so ill and so bad about the church and our own church folk that it shouldn't be any wonder why people don't want to join our church. (laughs) You see, (laughs) in a way, we are really good at eating our own. And so no one wants to join us so that they can become our dinner. Can you honestly listen to some so-called white evangelicals today, or even some so-called Methodists, or even some AMES, for that matter, and say that they are with us. Well, I'm I'm just asking the question: Can we look at all these people and everyone and say they are with us? Mm. I'm just saying. So the question before us today is: Who is with us? Yeah. And how can we know who is truly with us? And how can we know? This is the pivotal question that I will attempt to uh, address in this message. And <laughs> if you don't know us by now, you ain't never going to know us, Come on. to quote that famous theologian, <laughs> Teddy Pendergrass. But I'll do this in a message I've titled, very simply, The Gospel. The Gospel. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know what I have prepared. You know what your people need to hear. And every now and then, Lord, we need an ounce of truth. Help me, Lord, not to be an entertainer, but a preacher. Help me, O Lord, not to be a motivational speaker, but a preacher. Help me, O Lord, not to be an inspirer of the hearts that stirs people, but a preacher. For unless I preach the good news of the gospel, I am a sounding brass. And a tinkling cymbal. I am nothing, but you're everything. So speak through this vessel, this lump of clay, and may they hear you and not me for such a time as this. In Jesus name, amen. Amen. So in a moment of (laughs) self-disclosure, By nature, my personality type is one where I am predisposed to judging. It Doesn't take me very long to see a situation or a person, and with the most basic of information, draw some conclusions very quickly about them or the situation, and then I move on. The point is, I don't need to see a lot before making a determination of what action I might need to take. I am a judger. And I've had to learn to be careful not to allow that part of my personality to make me too judgmental. Now, while it has served me well in many instances, it has also failed me in many as well. I'm just being honest. It's just who I am. I'm a judger. Now the thing with judges, like me, is that we believe a person's behavior is a roadmap to their values. Mm -hmm. Because values drive behavior. Let me illustrate, and I use this often. If you're a person who has a high value in punctuality, then the behavior is that you're always on time. Doesn't mean you're never late, it just means that you have a tendency to get twisted whenever you're running late. So because my value is high for punctuality, the behavior is I'm always on time. So if I call a meeting or if something is going on and you can say, you know, is always on time, pastor's always on time, pastor's always on time. If you're, you're responding to the behavior, you're seeing the behavior, and that behavior lets you know that the pastor, in this case, values punctuality. Similarly, If you notice that a person is always lying, then that behavior, believe it or not, is not telling you that they don't value honesty. It's not telling you that at all. It is telling you that they value their own desires. Because your behavior points to your values. Just ask Donald Trump. Brothers and sisters, We are telling people more about ourselves by the things we do, less by the things we say. Now if this is hurting you, it's okay. You're gonna get through it. (laughs) But we must tell the truth about who we are and what we are. Because we all, like me, sit in judgment sometimes of people and have a hard time sometimes looking at the beam in my eye when I'm struggling with the speck in yours. See? So we must be very careful. So, again, (laughs) values drive behavior. So knowing all of this, I try to pay very close attention to what people actually do instead of what people might actually say. And for me, as a judger, show me what you do, and I will not only tell you what you value, I will tell you what you believe. Which brings me to the idea of denominational identity. The term denomination means a way of classifying things. And in the context of the church, it means a recognized, autonomous branch of the Christian faith. That's what we mean by denomination. In essence, a denomination is a religious group that has slightly different practices from other religious groups, but that share similar religious beliefs. Examples of these are Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Baptists, Lutherans, you see all these denominations. There are many others, of course, but essentially each denomination fundamentally believes the same things. They just engage in practices or behaviors that are different. It is through these practices and these behaviors that we are able to identify these denominations. As a further example, Methodists such as AME and AME Zion and CME and the United Methodist Church folk all follow a method and have a very specific way and order to how we worship and the flow of our worship. You are in a Methodist service when you come in and it starts with the doxology. And it ends with the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And somewhere in the middle, you get the Gloria Pottery. Somewhere in the middle. See, this form of worship is a behavior that lets you know we are Methodists. Baptists, such as SBC and ABC, believe that for baptism to take place, there is only full immersion in water. You have to go under the water, right? Of course, as Methodists, we do believe in full immersion, but we also believe in sprinkling the water on you. We believe in pouring the water on you because we believe that the power is not in the water. The power is in the work of the Spirit. That's what we believe as Methodists. But the Baptists will tell you, unless you go under the water, you ain't baptized. And again, their behavior tells you who they are. Last but certainly not least, the Pentecostals such as Koji, Church of God in Christ, and Assemblies of God, they believe that the speaking in an unknown tongue is evidence of having received the Holy Spirit. So unless you start to speak in tongues, they are going to say, well, I don't know if you got the Spirit. How do we know who is with us? Come on, preacher. And who is not? right because again everyone practices and has their own behaviors that's pointing to their values are you tracking with me yes, see see this is the point that we have to be very careful because it is easy to get distracted and sometimes people can look like they're the real thing but they're not Come on, so the point is each denominational group may have slightly different beliefs and practices from each other, but what should unite us unequivocally is what we believe about the nature and personhood of Jesus Christ. It is is the fundamental response to Jesus' question. Who do men say that I am? am and then even more personal who do you say that i am and brothers and sisters if you are clear in your response that jesus is the christ the son of the living god that he is the long awaited messiah that he is the logos the word made flesh that dwelt among us, that he is the son of man, that he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that he is the author and the perfecter of faith, that he is the chief cornerstone, that he is the good shepherd that he is the great high priest that he is the light of the world that he is the lion of the tribe of judah that he is the door he is the way the truth and the life that he is the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace the great i am that i am and that he is the savior if you are clear then you are with us. No matter if you choose to sing the doxology or not. No matter if you choose to baptize or re-baptize. No matter if you choose to speak in tongues or to remain silent. No matter if you choose to serve communion every day or even on only first Sunday. No matter if you choose to stand or sit during the reading of scripture. Or whether you ordain women or not, my brothers and my sisters, these things are what I call the non-essentials of the faith. And if you are clear that Jesus Christ came and that he died and rose from the dead and that he ascended into heaven and that he now sits at the right hand of God the Father and that he will come again soon to judge, the quick and the dead, then make no mistake, you are with us. So as I stated before, show me what you do and I will tell you what you believe. If you feed the hungry, if you clothe the naked, if you care for the least among us, If you love your neighbor as yourself, if you care for the sick, if you spread the good news of Jesus Christ, if you pray for others, if you give your money to the poor, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you speak well of others, if you are patient with others, if you are willing to suffer for the benefit of others, if you try not to get over on others, if you forgive others then as Jesus declared, you are not against us, you are for us. So if this is true, and it is because Jesus said it, then the corollary must also be true. And that is, if you are not doing these things, then you are against us. That's a hard pill to swallow. Because as I was going down the list, I know many people are thinking, do I do that? Mm. Do I do that? And thank God for the ministry of this church, that while each and every one of you can't go to Guatemala, as I talked about, or each of you can't go out and do the things, we have people in the church. And if you are supporting the work, then you can claim credit for the work. Let's now take a look quickly at our text to see how all of what I've shared is relevant in our text we see the Apostle John approaching Jesus with what could easily be considered here in the church open and impulsive hostility towards an outsider John's contempt was clear as he complained to Jesus about someone who John himself judged <laughs> because they were not following them it's in the text but the text also indicates that even though this someone was not following Jesus <laughs> and the disciples, he wasn't following them, John was not the only one to co-sign this antagonism towards the someone. Because when he complained to Jesus, what did he say? We. The text said it. We. <laughs> now let me pause here for a quick moment and just talk a little bit about we. We. It is one thing if I was the only one that had a problem with a person, as in the case of John. But it's an entirely different thing when we solicit others into our scheme as well. If John was the only one that went and complained to Jesus, he would run the risk of Jesus dismissing his claim. But by saying we... He was trying to make sure that what he was complaining to Jesus about was valid and that it was established by more than one person. Yeah. There is strength in numbers, but be very careful when people with their own agendas try to involve you and get you to be a part of their scheme as well. Say it, preacher. Again, from our real-life example, Congressman Matt Gates was the one that had a real problem with former Speaker McCarthy, but he got seven out of a total of 221 Republicans to help join him to kick out the speaker. Only seven. And it was all that it took. Just like John and the we is all that it takes. To try to, you see what I'm saying? I hope y'all are seeing this. There is nothing new under the sun. The Bible is telling us stuff that we, if we pay attention, we see it playing out all around us day after day. Be very careful when people have their own agendas that you may not necessarily understand, but because of their eloquence of words, pull you into their scheme. And before you know it, you're part of something that you never intended. Come on, preacher. You must be clear about who is with us and who is against us. Now, what is even more curious in the text is that we can assume that this guy who was doing these exorcisms and casting out demon, this someone, was undeniably successful. Hence, making the ground for John's objection, not because of a lack of success, but because of the use of Jesus' name outside of the group of disciples. Let me me see. see. There's a guy going out there doing works and miracles, casting out demons in Jesus' name. John and the disciples see this, and they don't like it because John is a Methodist, and the one out there is Pentecostal. But he's doing work that Jesus says, that's work, my work. But John don't like it because you're doing it in Jesus, your name. But they're not following us. But the man is successful. He is successfully casting out demons. He is successfully advancing the kingdom of God. So what if he doesn't do it the way we do it? Is that still okay? I'm just saying. See, this hints at a major cause for many divisions, disagreements and conflict within the Christian church. We can all agree on Christ, but that agreement must be our way and on our terms. So you can have evangelicals shouting, pro-life. Methodists shouting, pro-choice. Baptists shouting, right to life. Presbyterians shouting, right to choose. And Lutherans shouting, well, it depends. So because everyone thinks they have the right to decide not just what's right and what's wrong, but who's in and who's out, the question becomes one of authority. But who made any of them judges like me? Why? Because someone doesn't worship the way we do or praise the way we praise or serve the way we serve, should we say they are not with us? But look what Jesus says. And I'm paraphrasing. Leave the exorcist alone. Mm. The man was casting out demons. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, leave him alone. Mm. For here is the critical truth. The fact that the man is able to do this work of miracles in Jesus' name shows that he cannot be an enemy. Mm. Two kingdoms are at war. And if one kingdom is tearing down itself, it's only hurting itself. And Satan is not looking to tear down Satan's kingdom of darkness. So if you have someone who is tearing down the kingdom of darkness, he has to be from the kingdom of light. In fact, we have no idea whether or not Jesus even knew this man or not. But by him using Jesus' name, and together with the fact that he was successful, makes it very clear that the authority and the power to cast out demons did not come from who you are or who you are associated with, but in whose name you are operating. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't miss what I just said. It didn't matter who he is. It didn't even matter if he was a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Pentecostal because the power was not in his association with a group or even with his own skills. His power was coming from the name of Jesus. And when you operate in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you may be down and broken, busted and disgusted, but if you call on the name of Jesus, whether you are Pentecostal, whether you are Methodist, whether you are Presbyterian, whether you are nothing, call on his name and you will have power for yes, there is power yes, in the name of Jesus real authority does not come from who you are associated with but instead under whose name you are operating that's the whole point so going back to the question at the beginning as I get ready to close who is with us and how can we know Let's begin quickly with the first part, the with us part. What exactly does Jesus mean when he says, with us? On the surface, it is pretty clear that it would mean anyone that follows Jesus and calls himself a disciple and are following him, it would seem pretty clear that anyone who followed the way, the truth, and the life, those are the ones to be considered with us. If Jesus called you, you are with us. That's pretty clear. But here's the dilemma. Under that criteria, Judas would be considered with us. Mm. Hmm. Did y'all get that? Mm -hmm. Judas would have been called with us. Mm -hmm. For Judas was called by Jesus, and he certainly followed Jesus. And by all accounts, he was very trusted, even with the treasury and the money, by Jesus. But based on what we know later on in the life of Judas, we know that he was not really with us. For he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so suffice it to say, (laughs) not because you choose to follow the doxology. And not because you choose to sing the Gloria Patri. And even so far as to go and be baptized to serve in this ministry, does it mean that you are with us? Not everyone who joins a church and even worship with their tithes and their offerings are truly with us. Not everyone who claims to be a steward or a trustee or holds some position of importance in the church is truly with us. For the truth is as soon as things don't go their way or if they don't or if they get upset for any reason, they do not find it difficult to walk away. I'm just saying, furthermore, not everyone who wears a black robe and has a title reverend is truly with us. Not everyone who wears a purple robe and has the title bishop is truly with us for sometimes these are the same people that exploit their office by taking advantage of the faith of the poor and the vulnerable by stealing their earnings i tell you there is a special place in hell for those that has harmed one of god's little ones but yeah. i'm no judge Did I start out by saying I was a judger? I'm no judge. So when Jesus uses the term with us, what does he mean? It actually means more than loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It actually means more than loving your neighbor as yourself. Because anyone can do these things and anyone says these things. But here is the new commandment that Jesus gives. It means to love each other as he has loved us. Wow. And especially those of the household of faith. Especially those of the household of faith. If I am not loving you, who is a part of this ministry, the way Jesus loved me and was willing to give himself for me, I am not with you. Now, I ain't saying that I'm going to go out there and let a bus run over me just to show you I love you. I'm simply saying the willingness to give of myself for your benefit If I'm not willing to do that, to die to my own selfish desires where you call me, you want to talk to me, you want to meet me, and I ain't got time for you. All of that is pointing because your behavior shows your values. Jesus is requiring that we give the best of ourselves to each other. That's how you know you are with us. It has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you deserve it. It has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you know you did something for me or you did something against me if i'm going to give you the best of me it is unconditional now i'm not saying that that is easy to do believe me we have people who are closest to us that hurt us the most and i get that but what i'm asking you is that you cast the burden of that pain on christ on jesus and let him handle it vengeance is mine saith the lord He will take care of the ones. But me as a judger, it's hard because I want to take action. But if I can discipline myself and to step back and say, you know what, God, you can handle this situation much better than me. Because every time I try to fix my situation, I make more of a mess of it. So there are some things I'm going to leave up to you. And when you start to see people and meet people who are willing to, to give you the benefit of the doubt because they love you and they give you the opportunity to grow and to learn, they are with you. Nine times out of ten when we're trying to help other people out. And hear me, church, because we need to hear the truth. Sometimes when we're trying to help other people out, is not because we love them so much and we're with them. is that we don't want them to embarrass us anymore. I hope you heard what I just said. Remember, your behavior points to your beliefs. But the second part of the question is, how can we know? So the first part is, who's with us? Those who love the way Jesus loves and gave himself sacrificially for it. That's the first thing. If people aren't willing to love you that way, they might not be with us. But the question is, how can you really know? Because people give us lip service all the time. So how can we know? Look at behaviors. Galatians, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 13. And indulge me as I read it from the New International Version. And I purposely want to read it a certain way to make sure that you hear it. Please do not have any distractions. Please do not look at your phone or your your Facebook or whatever. I want you to hear my words, and hear my words not just coming from my lips, but coming from my heart as I am connecting to the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the words. These are not my words. But my voice will become the incarnation of Christ's spirit. And may you hear it in your own. Galatians, the fifth chapter. From the Apostle Paul. Beginning at the thirteenth verse. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather... Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the spirit. You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Number one, are you serving each other humbly with love? For as you serve the least in the kingdom of God, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And notice that I said in the kingdom of God, not serving the world. How we treat each other inside the church is what I'm talking about. The church caring for the church. Second, are you walking in the spirit? You know this when you're not choosing to do whatever you want. Remember, your behavior points to your values. Third, do you bear the fruit of the Spirit? When people see you, do they see love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? For if they don't see these fruit in your behavior, then they know that your value is the world. And finally, number four, are you conceited, provoking and envying each other? This was John's issue and the we disciples problem in the text. You remember what John said? We saw him casting out and he was, we, we, we wanted to stop him because he was not following. John was conceited and envying someone else. They saw this man casting out demons, advancing God's kingdom in Jesus' name. But by being filled with conceit, they provoked the man with their envious self, thereby warranting Jesus' rebuke. So my point is this. Who cares if people aren't spreading the gospel the way you and I believe they should? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believeth in him, not me, not A.M.E., not Presbyterian, not Methodist, not, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If this is the message of others and they are sharing this good news, then brothers and sisters, they are with us and they are not against us. And whoever gives you and me a cup of water to drink because we call Jesus our Lord, then those folks will not lose their reward in heaven and neither will you. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved, as we love each other the way Jesus said to love. Amen?